This is Van Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with uh, Matthew Stafford, entrepreneur and business coach. And we've got your buildgrowscale.com up there for people that will be clickable. Uh, for now, uh, right now, you you just have to look at it, and then you could click on it later when we're fully published. But thank you for being on the Van Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing tonight? Uh, very good. I'm excited to be here. So you're you're a kind of a mad scientist behind data and the development of your BGS revenue optimization system. Um, and uh, I think a lot of business people, and you know, I'm in the kind of creative space where but a lot mm -hmm. of people who are podcasters or life coaches or creative folk authors, musicians, we we actually still sell product. We sell records, we sell vinyl, we sell tickets, we sell merch. Yeah, and so I still yeah. think you know that the even though it's not a to total like normal business model, we still could benefit from e-commerce uh, scales and different things to optimize. You know, things like Shopify. You know, a lot of artists use Shopify. So. Yeah, I would say um, the stuff that we'll talk about today. If you have a website, it will apply to you. So um, we we specialize in e-commerce. But all that is, is basically making a sale online. And mm -hmm. so uh, if you sell anything online, uh, this, this will be applicable to you. So, so before I get fully started, I want to let people know we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can see that below you have to, there's a coupon code and people can click on that later or use it and uh, they'll be able to get the podcast on that platform. We're a featured podcast on that platform. But again, thank you for being on the show today. And uh, what I think it's interesting is maybe you can talk about effective strategies for e-commerce conversion and maybe talk, tell people what that actually means. So some people who are more creative people might not understand, well, what is that conversion? What does that mean to, to their business? Yeah. So essentially, um, every single person that comes to your website is a potential client or a potential sale. And so what we're trying to do is use the data from your website to figure out exactly what people are doing on it and then optimize that experience so that if you're collecting leads, they give you more leads. If you're uh, making sales that they um, choose you and uh, check out on your, on your checkout. Because a lot of people just like view a site kind of like if you're on Instagram and you just view it, but you don't actually like it. Like if you don't hit the like, then we don't actually get the credit. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. And so what we're essentially what we're trying to do is um, if you think about it, your website is your conversation with your client or your customer. And so we want to make sure that you have a great conversation and make a connection and the way that you do that is with a good experience. Most of the um, optimizations that we get early on in a site is actually removing stuff, not adding to it. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because most people feel like uh, if they've done any type of, they're looking at their website as the owner trying to make a sale instead of coming to the site as a consumer looking to solve a problem. And so mm -hmm. that slight shift makes a total difference in the way that you look at your website. And when you can make that shift effectively, uh, you'll communicate much better with the people that are coming to your site and uh, it won't feel salesy. It'll feel like a good experience and something that they want to do again. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of times you know, people want to throw the kitchen sink at it. You know, you kind of like, I want to, I talk to a lot of people that are business owners on the podcast and they'll, they'll typically have their website, you know, it'll, it'll be where they can find their, their, um, you know, their master class, their next, their next, uh, you know, in-person meeting or, yeah. or presentation. They've got so many things there and then maybe it's not clear to the to the person that gets there is like well what wh what is it that you're trying to get me to get into you know yeah yep so prioritization of what you think is, is, is yeah, the customer they're not thinking like the customer like you said 
Yep. And so what we say is each page on your site has a specific purpose. Um, and your homepage is not meant to sell. Uh, your homepage is meant to um, elicit trust and then give them easy navigation to what they're looking for. So on the homepage, if you, if you're a coach, then it would be good to let them know that you're a coach and what type of coaching you do. And then not try to sell them, but just let them know that is your specialty and that's what you focus on. Because then they're going to go, okay, I'm on the right site. These people are doing what I'm potentially looking for. And then easy navigation to what they're looking for. So do you have, if they want to look at some of your content to see if they resonate with you, give them a way to see some of your content. If, um, if you have a couple different programs, give them a way to look at a good, better, best. Like, hey, here's how you can start getting um, some information with us. Here's a deeper dive. And then here's where maybe you could, uh, you know, sign up for weekly coaching or whatever that is. But essentially, the homepage isn't meant to try to get a check. It is literally to uh, elicit trust and then give them easy navigation. And when you do it that way, um, it gives you the ability to then, um, when they go to what they're looking for, you can explain that specifically instead of trying to be all things to everyone. And when you do okay. that, a lot of times you can, you can spell out their problem better than they can. And then they will automatically assume that you're the, you're the answer for them. So it's kind of like the elevator pitch for a very specific service or product, you know, that you get to from that homepage rather than trying to do that pitch for the, everything that you do. Like, right. like if, you, if you try to do the pitch for everything you like, you, you're going to probably fail rather than, you know, make it so it's more narrowly focused for whatever they're looking for. And yes. it seems like a lot of times today people are into like the TikTok and the reels and the short clips. Would you recommend like on the homepage running like a video clip, like 15 seconds of like your no. best or not? You no. wouldn't do that. No. So the reason why I say that is uh, we've tested um, any type of animation or moving uh, things like that. And what happens is people stop and they watch that and they're using up their time that they would use to then go navigate or to look mm. for specifically what they want. And uh, it actually hurts the conversion of the page. So we've never found a moving banner to do that. So um, what you really want is a hero image and then your unique value proposition. Like why are you uh, um, qualified to serve them or what is unique about your particular approach? and then easy navigation to what they're looking for. So is that like a bulleted approach or like one line? Um, it could be both. Uh, it really depends on it. I couldn't really answer that as one way would be best for all audiences. Uh, if mm -hmm. you have three options, um, there might be a way to spell that out. Um, like, hey, we covered like a what I always term as good, better, best. And that mm -hmm. might just mean like um, an introduction to us, like the, like for us, we have a boot camp. So we'll go through um, on a three day boot camp and teach you how to optimize your site. It's $33. So that's a really easy way to get to know us. That's the link that we gave you. Um, mm -hmm. You can uh, literally do that for um, and make your money back the very first day easily. And so, but then we also have ones where you can partner with us. And, you know, that requires a percentage of your revenue. And we put a five person team on, on your site, you know, and that's thousands and thousands of dollars a month. And we don't even um, feature that because that is like such a small segment of the audience. Um, mm -hmm. Most people want to use um, a service where they can learn and then be able to do it themselves or be able to then just pay for the services that apply to them. And so you'll see that's how we feature ours on our website. So you can kind of scale to like different levels of customers where you get more like the do it yourself type of crowd versus like the um, bigger enterprise that doesn't want to get into that and actually wants like more like a consultant or yeah. a service type of model where they get yes. a service level agreement and then they, they work it out. Cause my day job, I'm a software designer and okay. I'm a consultant. 
So that's my space there. And I work for a company. We build things. We build, yeah. we build for, for products like in financial service products. We build the, the systems. So okay. we're not really trying to like, they sell that. I don't really sell that. I'm I just actually help them get products on the market for big insurance companies and banks and stuff like that. But right. I understand yeah. what you're, you know, you for the bigger companies like that, that, that sounds like they would take the bigger model. Uh, like the the other uh, capability to try to get sure, you know people sure. to jump on their pages, but yeah. But if you wanted to put it into a, a coaching situation, um, in order to want to hire a coach, you want to feel like you're connected to them, or that you guys think similar, or that you're on the same page. And so um, you could have like entry levels. I think they call it a, like a value ladder. You know, there's there's a way that people can get to know you and try something out or go through a small course that you have um, for an entry entry level price. And then obviously at the end of those, um, you make offers for them to get to, you know, get to know you better or to, you know, get to work with you one on one or in a group setting or whatever. So all of those things need to just be very clear on your site. If you put them all in one place and try to sell them all and let them pick, what happens is it's actually called paradox of choice. And the people may want to do more with you, uh, but they're not ready to, without knowing, liking, and trusting you, they're not willing to go ahead and make that decision. And so you offering that to them way early in, in the um in the chain is uh, actually doing you a disservice, not a, a service. A, you know, a, it's not a positive for your website. Mm -hmm. So you need somebody to to engage with you and actually stay with you and get that like click through instead of that person that just goes, "Oh, that's not it." Right. So if if you can actually, you know, engage with something that's gonna be meaningful, and and I think the question is, is like in terms of like the metrics that you to know that you're successful. And we know yeah. today in today's world, there's all kinds of data. There's all yeah. kinds of metrics that you can get from people that show you that it's working or it's not working. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of uh, that type of uh, metric analysis or figuring out if you're ready to even do this, um, can you kind of give the proposition of like, what's the type of, uh, uh, per, uh, company or person or entity that comes to you and maybe they have, you know, made the scenario that led them to you and why they would engage with you. Yeah. Yep. So um, our business is broke, broken up into three different uh, levels, build, grow, and scale. And uh, so the build phase is like when you're setting up your website, um, there's a lot to do. And if you knew what the best practices are right from the very beginning, uh, then you could set it up in a way that uh, you have the best chance for success. So we call that the build phase. And for that, we have like a, um, it's called the e-commerce uh, business blueprint. So you could buy that and then you would go through that course and set up your website according to. Um, and that's a, it's a one-time fee. Man, I, I honestly don't even know how much it was. I'm not trying to sell it to everybody. Yeah. I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. And then um, the grow phase is where we have, um, it's like guided mentoring. We have a membership where uh, what we do inside that membership is we teach store owners what we're doing on our large enterprise clients. So we partner with these big brands. Uh, we run lots of split tests, uh, figure out what works best. And then so what we do is we share that. Um, the results from that data inside that membership. So that's a monthly recurring amount that they pay us. It's $397 a month. And then we have the scale phase, which is um, where you partner with us. We put on a bug checker. We put on a front-end developer, a back-end developer, Google Analytics, and what we call a revenue optimizer. Uh, we don't call it conversion rate optimization, even though we are doing that. Um, we call it revenue optimization because um, conversion rate isn't the only metric that really matters. What really matters is uh, profit. And so we can raise your conversion rate by lowering your price. Your conversion rate will go up. That doesn't necessarily help you. So we call it revenue optimization, meaning you want your entire site 
um, to be optimized so that it's a great experience from when they land on it till they give you money. And if you have that down, then they'll come back again and again and again to do business with you, which is obviously the most profitable because then you're not paying, paying to acquire customers over and over and over. Oh, you got a repeat customer. So it's like yes. if you can bring in repeat customers, then that actually can increase your profitability rather than always looking for new customers. But if they don't stay, then you continually have to go for new customers. So then you can right, burn you to pay it to it's like, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> but, yeah. And uh, so that, um, that, and the recurring revenue too is a good indication of how much value you're providing. You know, if people are not staying, um, then they're not getting the value from what you're doing. And so you know that uh, that's an indicator that uh, somewhere uh, what you think is valuable and what they feel they need to know um, is different. And uh, I know for us, our example, you know, we've been doing this so long, we know what the customer needs in order to be successful, but sometimes that's not what they think they need. And so if we don't communicate to them properly, uh, they might think like, oh, this isn't for me um, because we're not doing a good job of communicating. And I always ask uh, people, well, if you're saying something and the other person's not understanding it, whose fault is that? Um, it's not the other person. It's your fault. You need to figure out like what they're thinking, what's going on. And your website is that conversation with your customer. So how long are they staying on your page? You can see that in Google, you know, in Google Analytics. If they're staying on your page, that means they're reading and they're looking and they're finding it interesting. Um, if they're clicking on things um, and, and getting deeper into the funnel, then that means that you're communicating to them. If your bounce rate is super high, it means when they land, they don't think that you're for them or uh, your site's not working because it's not loading or different things like that. So all of that data um, is good if you understand how to read it. So I guess the question, also the question is, is like given all these platforms today that people are on with their websites and SEO, and but there's a lot of people that kind of complain about the algorithms where initially they come out and they got their SEO set up a certain way and they got a really high engagement and then suddenly it drops off. Yeah. And it seems like there must something going on with the algorithm where you get knocked off and you had everything you thought and suddenly the platform you're on this like reprioritizes you or does something different. And now suddenly you're, you're, you're connect, not connecting. How do you solve that kind of business problem? Um, I would say at, that would require someone that's an SEO expert. Um, we're not, uh, mm -hmm. I would say that we're, we do technical SEO for e-commerce. Um, but, uh, yeah, the platform algorithm changes and stuff like that. Uh, we would, I would refer them to someone who specializes in that just from the simple fact that, uh, e-commerce and, or online, you know, web sales has become, uh, big enough and competitive enough that uh, if you try to know everything, um, you're, you're going to fail. And so I'm not going to ever get on and claim mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, we've got anything that you want to do online. Because if that was the case, then I would think that we were mediocre at some of it and not great at others. And so what we do is we focus on when they land on your website to when they check out or they give you a lead. And so ours yeah, is... Give it a stay. Uh, yeah, it's a hundred percent the customer journey that's on the website for sure. So it's a different, a different group of people that deal with that algorithm issue, and there's yeah. a, there's all different types of you know um, uh, services that people have. But some people might misunderstand and think, well, this is going to solve that problem. Maybe it doesn't solve this. It's a different business problem that you have to look at and see what you need to do to optimize that. Yeah. Yep. And what I typically tell people is that traffic isn't really your problem. Uh, most websites convert um, around 2% or less. And so if you think about that, uh, if that's the average, that means uh, for every 100 people that come to your website, only two people found it valuable enough 
um, to give you money or sign up. And so for us, our goal was, okay, we don't want to go get another hundred people and sell two more. I want to get two more of the 98 people that left or four more of those 98 people. And now my website is twice as big or three times as big as it was from the same amount of traffic. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you can do that, uh, now you can compete with your competitors and uh, really you can afford to spend more for traffic because you get six sales out of a hundred or four sales out of a hundred where they're only getting two. And so real quickly um, you end up dominating that space and becoming uh, a lot more profitable because your website just works better. That's really interesting because some people might be looking at the glass half full, glass half empty mm -hmm. proposition and trying to get to like 99 and not realizing that in the numbers, if you get to four or six, that that's actually making progress. And some people oh, might man. not be four or six, you would be, yeah. Like, yeah. 4%, yeah. 6%, yeah. you're making a lot of money if, if your metrics, if you know your metrics. So uh, that is uh, very good for a website. And uh, that's really what we work on. That's 100% what we work on. And if you think about it, they came to your site for a reason. So whatever, whatever you did, if you were running an ad and they go, oh, okay, this is for me. And then they came there and then left. It meant somewhere there's a disconnect. So rather than just go, oh, it was a lot of times people blame it on um, their traffic. Well, the traffic actually, or the ad actually did the job. It got the person to the website. It was the website that didn't do the job at that point. And uh, so we end up, uh, most of our referral partners are uh, media buyers because they know that if the website converts better or is uh, cleaner, more understandable, it works well, they'll sell more product. And so uh, it's typically not, your ad buyers, it's typically your own website. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. Well, that makes sense because I mean, you, you know, my, my daughter's a designer and she's mm -hmm. really into trying to do very clean or, you know, eye popping designs. And, you know, that's the nature. She's a, she's a sequential graphic designer. And, you know, when she goes to do logos or do anything she does, it's kind of, you know, that I catching thing that it's going to get people to stay or the, the simplicity of, of, a, of, of, of the design. Some people do things that are a little overly complex. And as a musician, the yeah. example is if I layer multi-tracks, I could layer 64 multi-tracks, but it might be more resonant if I only had four or five or, yeah. you know, I can, I can actually make my point and sometimes the space that actually less busy, less too yes. much going on because people you want to be impactful and you, you can be more impactful sometimes the less is more happens like, uh 100 you find that you find that yeah <laughs> yes we find that with the website too so um the less uh stuff that you're trying to shove down their throat the better it does and if you think about it like like i was saying earlier a lot of times when we go in and start helping with the website uh, the first thing that we're doing is removing stuff because they've done customer service. And every single time someone uh, writes in with a question, they think, oh, I got to put that on my website. Oh, I got to put that on my website. But the 80-20 principle definitely applies on your website. And so 20% uh, of your visitors are going to give you 80% of your revenue. Those are the ones that you want to focus on. If you focus on the other 80%, what happens is you end up cluttering up your website and then those 20% um, don't find what they're looking for and they leave. And so really, if you put all that stuff on your website, you force every single person to go through all of that before they can get to what they want. And so for us, uh, yes, very clear. Uh, we actually use the phrase, uh, would Homer Simpson understand it? Uh, we want it to be super simple. Yeah. Uh, just like, very obvious exactly what the next step is, um, how to figure it out. Because if you do customer service, you realize how easily people are confused on a website. So is it better to make, you know, 
easily understandable clickable objects and less having people have to, you know, do a lot of diving into drop down menus or push this and then you have to go to this and then go to that. It seems like to me, like if you can have like one click get to it rather than like I do software design, we say, well, how many clicks can we get this done in? Can we minimize it? So right. it's just like one click is the magic, you know, do or do they have to elaborate because it's something there's some option that they have to pick, but try to make it so it's not overly complicated and it's got too many pages and too many hidden things you got to go into, right? Yeah. So we do, we call that click that. And uh, people are only going to click a certain amount of time on your website before if they haven't been able to figure out uh, what they need or find what they're looking for, then they're going to leave. And so, yes, uh, we always say that um, if you have five or fewer items, figure out a way to display those so that they can click on the item rather than a drop down. Uh, drop downs never convert as well as uh, an image displayed. And so there's lots of ways to do that. Um, for sure, you could see examples of it if you go through the boot camp. Um, it'd be a lot harder to describe that um, in a visual here. But uh, like on an apparel site, yeah. just for an example, um, you could have an image of a T-shirt. You could have an image of a long sleeve shirt. You could have an image of a hoodie. And so then rather than have a drop down with those in it, if they could see the visual, they don't have to think about it. They can literally just click the image of what they're looking for and it take mm -hmm. them to the t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. Image as an object. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the kind of common sense. It's kind of like in synth design, there was this time period where we had these LCD menus and then suddenly you had to dive into all these many hidden menus and yeah. you had to dive in and it used to be, like on a Moog or a Hammond organ, you just had the draw bar where you have the buttons. And so you have those surface controls, you immediately could get to it. And what we found is the musician, if they had to dive to find their control, they wouldn't use it. But oh, if the controls right. on the surface, they use it. So it's the same yeah. idea. Like if, you're, if your object selection is clickable, if the object is clickable, then they're going to actually touch it. Yes. If they have to go find something, to say, well, how do I get to that? Then they're going to yeah. like probably leave. <laughs> right. That's what happened. So if you look at it, almost 60% of your visitors will never scroll. So that if you don't have it clearly defined or easily accessible above the fold, um, they won't scroll. And so one, they need to know that there is more information down below. So we always say, make sure that you don't have a false bottom, which is where, um, no images cross the bottom. Like if, if, if your website has a hero image, they should be able to see that there's more stuff down below it and they can scroll to get to it, not just have a flat line and then and they can't see it. So it's called a false bottom. And they if you do that, oh, yeah. that will prevent them from scrolling. And the other thing to remember is uh, before COVID um, only about 10% of sales were done online. So, uh, you know, we've been selling stuff online for most of the people probably in your audience for 10 years. And so we just make the assumption that because we're good at it or because we understand a website that everybody else must also. And that's just not the case. Um, during COVID, it went all the way up to 33% uh, of sales were done online. So a lot, lot more, but then it dropped back down to about 27. Now that COVID, you know, now that the people are back to everyday normal life. So in my opinion, um, I believe that shopping online and buying stuff that way as a normal everyday thing, um, we're still early adopters. Um, it was, it's only been in the last year, year and a half that um, your traffic is more mobile than desktop. And so, uh, you know, the e-commerce or the online selling um, landscape has been constantly evolving for the last few years at a breakneck pace. And we just make a lot of assumptions as people who use the web for what we do. We have to remember that um, a lot of people are first time users. And so uh, what we automatically assume, like uh, little three lines is the menu. Well, if it doesn't say the menu, someone who's never been to the website or someone that's not super familiar with it 
might not actually know that's a menu or a little um, magnifying yeah. glass. They might think that zoom, they don't know that search. And so there's a lot of different things that we can do, like actually just yeah. label things <laughs> like label it menu, because in, we always say, would Homer Simpson understand it? Well, if it's a image and there's no text, he's probably not going to just automatically know what it is. But if it says menu, that's pretty clear and understandable. And so Homer Simpson would understand that. And so that's really how you have to look at your website. Come to it as a consumer, not as the owner looking at how to sell more because you already under, understand your website. You've um, you built it and you know you are on it all the time. But if you come to it as that user and try to find things, a lot of times you go, oh, I didn't realize how unclear that was. Yeah, if it's not, it's, if it's not an easy workflow, it's like the Homer workflow. But then with opportunities today with like AI and like personalization. So the question yeah. I have when we jump into that, you know, we already know that Google and, you know, AI and Amazon, these big companies have, you know, what you see is usually based on what you like. And when you yes. go to that page, yes. that page is showing you stuff that you already showed interest in. That your Google yes. page is probably showing you things that, you know, I, as a musician, when I go, I see Sweetwater, I see Moogs, I see Rollins, I see all kinds of stuff. That's what I'm into. That's what I see. Yeah. So yep. in that way, can you, can people take that level of tech and give somebody a personalized page, homepage that actually shows them what they're more likely to want? Is that possible? Um, it is, uh, it's probably, uh, I would say it's probably not, um, affordable for 99% of the people. And so what I would say is, is a better way to take advantage of that is, um, the way that Google and Facebook do that is they look for buyer intent. So essentially if, um, you're searching for, for an example, a microphone. Uh, if you have an FAQ on your microphone page that says, oh, uh, what, is, what are some good uses for this microphone? Uh, how easy is it to set up? Uh, is it, you know, uh, in the range of pricing, is it on the lower end, the mid end, or the upper tier? things like that. So basically an FAQ for your product page, those questions should be buyer intent questions, which Google says, okay, so now if you typed in your search, uh, microphones around $200, well, now you have um, information on your page that's going to actually answer that question. And so Google would go, oh, here's a relevant page that would be a appropriate for that. Or if you typed in um, microphone for a podcast, then if you had that in your FAQ, uh, then Google is going to serve your page up because they crawl it and look for it. So um, you can put those in what's called progressive disclosure or put them on the lower half of the page. They're still there and Google will still serve your page as relevant to what they're looking for based off of you thinking through what the customer needs in order to get their question answered. Again, um, looking at it from the customer standpoint instead of how do I sell this microphone? Given that point of view, is it good to have marketing kind of um, studies that actually use your, your actual customers to drive your design of your website rather than coming from the owner perspective? Do yes. some kind of marketing you, so, study with live customers, like a certain set, like 2,000 customers or whatever. You know, I so you're talking about like testimonials. Yeah, testimonials. Yeah, yeah, if you did some kind of like research to figure out like, well, how could I actually build this from not the owner perspective, but actual real customers, what they do and actually, yeah, you and, know, actually analyze that. So I, I will give you a little tip. Um, what you can do is you can go to Amazon and look at products that are very similar to yours and then look at the reviews what are the customers saying was amazing and what are they saying what need it served 
And so you could read a hundred reviews on Amazon on products similar to yours, and then use that information to write your product descriptions. So if you think about it, a testimonial mm. is your buyer telling you what they liked and what they were looking for and what was valuable to them. So if you use that to write your product descriptions um, and hit those points, uh, your product is going to resonate with the customer or the person looking to buy it um, way better. And so we've done that a lot and uh, it works really, really well. And so now what you can do is you can actually go get a bunch of those reviews, uh, put them into uh, like chat GPT four and say, please analyze mm -hmm. all these reviews and give me back the top uh, five things that are similar in all of them. And then write a product description using those five things. And you'll get a product description written uh, that is actually 99% uh, better than what most people have on their website. So it's like an optimized AI uh, version of uh of that type of effort like so you mm -hmm. using the ai that's out there you could you can come out there with it like the right choice the right steps yeah. to actually engage it like people have to have the right prompt right you have to run yeah. that right prompt to like understand like your business and go at it in a way that's actually going to be helpful to what you're trying to do right with your business goal mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of times um, when they're writing those product descriptions, they just use uh, the manufacturer's description of it. Well, that's very mechanical, yeah. it's very <laughs> yeah. uh, plain. And so the um, that doesn't differentiate you uh, from anyone else. And so by using the language of people that buy your type of product to do that, or at least have chat B GPT give you the first version of it, um, you'll realize right away that that's much easier than staring at a blank page and trying to figure out what to write. So that gives you a really good starting point. You then get to edit it, put your own little flavor on it um, that makes your website unique. And then uh, you will find that those type of product descriptions uh, will certainly increase your sales on page. And another thing, like given the fact that we're we're on a podcast, what I've found with a lot of new business, with a lot of business people, because I've been doing podcasts since 2016. And when I first mm -hmm. did it, it wasn't really about business as much as it is now. But I find that a lot of the people in the business community, you know, initially when they're on YouTube, they create these like infomercials and then people kind of got turned off and like, well, that's not really engaging me. But now that you have podcasts and you have live podcasts, I've heard of like business pe folks actually engaging in live podcast with their customer base mm -hmm. and engaging in that way and, and having that two way street. Is that something that you think is, is it actually powerful or useful in, in, in this type of marketing or e-commerce efforts? Um, yeah, for sure. So I definitely, uh, we, I really believe in podcasts a lot. Um, there, it's a really good way for people to get to know, like, and trust you. Um, it's If you're out there and you're doing podcasts or you're talking to your customers, uh, people are going to be able to watch that and they will feel like they know you. And people still do business with people that they know, like, and trust. There's a reason why um, Amazon is still, for as big as they are, um, is still just a very small, minute number of the uh, whole percentage of sales. And so people still want to do business with people that they uh, their values resonate. Um, they believe that, you know, they're going to get good customer service, that uh, they're doing business with uh, an entrepreneur rather than this big company that they don't matter to. Uh, all of those things do matter. And so, yes, um, if there's a way for them to get to know you, they want to do business with you that way. Yeah, it's like that authenticity that I find it like, you know, when people can engage, like what we find with like independent musicians, like we can be very small, right? And yeah. we could have 50,000 fans. Yes. But if we engage with those fans and we keep our expenses low, we can actually be commercially successful and actually work where they would tell you at the label, 
I got to sell 2 million stream, like 200 billion streams to be successful. Yeah. If I have all yeah. that overhead, but if sure. I actually yeah. have engaged customers that buy my t-shirts, buy my vinyl and can talk to me and I can actually yeah. talk to me through a web conversation or something, that I make myself available that you can find that you at a micro level, you can actually do better well. than you would yeah. have thought. Yeah. Um, so they say that seems, uh, you, yeah, you need it, a, it, even for business people. Right? Yeah. They say um, to make, a, 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 I would say a decent income uh, nowadays is you need 1500 raving fans. So that means um, people that buy everything that you put out, um, they pay for, you know, access to you, et cetera. And then you're going to have about maybe as a whole, maybe 15,000 followers. But in that, you have that 1,500 that are um, loyal, really, you know, they connect with you, all of that. And then you'll get other sales, but those will be, um, you know, for different products, et cetera. And so, yes, I, and I do agree with that, um, depending on the size of your business and, and what your goals are. Uh, if you have, uh, 1500, uh, raving fans, um, you can certainly make a, you know, 10 grand a month, uh, from that, that size of an audience. And, uh, for most people, uh, that's more than enough to, you know, to make a decent living. Yeah, because there's so many ways to engage, you know, with products. Like when you, if you start thinking about like a then the kind of mom and pop, that you know, like I'm a mountain biker, right? And I still like to buy custom components from small firms that make really specialized pieces for my bike. Yeah, and you got all these big major companies, but I'll still go to some small manufacturer out of Colorado or someplace in Canada. They get one piece, one component that they make, but because they kind of put their Part into it, and I and I can actually watch them on the web on a YouTube channel or something, and they'll show you. And the way these companies engage now is they're doing what you're saying. They have these live sessions, or they would go on and show you what they're doing, and it makes you feel like you're connected. And yeah, I, and I if think you think about it, what want. if if you have a gigantic audience, um, then it's much harder to be specific. For them, with that smaller audience, instead of them having to deal with every mountain biker, they deal with the one that uh, needs that piece that you were looking for, and they do that better than the large manufacturer because the large manufacturer can't put that much time and attention into each piece. Um, otherwise, the bike would be too expensive. And so uh, there will be, you get to buy the bike from the large manufacturer and then make it specific to you through these other little pieces that you put on it with these uh, niche specific people. And yes, like you said, um, they can make a very good living. They can create an entire company around individual pieces rather than trying to be all things to everybody. Most people that uh, try to be all things to everybody their message is so watered down and it takes such a big marketing budget to talk to that many people that um, it's not conducive to being profitable. And so you really have to learn um, who your audience is, speak specifically to them. And that's how you're going to, uh, that's how you're going to create that set of rabid fans. And the way that you do that is through your website. You don't try to be all things to everybody, but, uh, very, very quickly, you say who you're serving and who you're not, because um, you want the people that uh, are going to spend money with you to know that they're the ones that matter to you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's like, it feels more like before all this automation that, you know, people wanted these kind of custom, uh, you know, people who have these craftsmen, the craftsman kind of nature. Craftsman of yeah. uh you know knowing something's hand built and um that's something i think a lot of people in this world now you know even the big companies are finding ways to make customized things even though it's on an assembly line they they try to offer options that make it seem like oh this is like my my product because i actually changed so many pieces of it it's not the standard thing uh so right. i think that seems to be like a very successful like marketing concept out there today. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we're human by nature. And so, yes, uh, we continue to find ways to automate and make things easier and communicate with a lot more people easier. But in the end, um, the consumer really only cares about themselves. They're caring about like how how the product is going to fill their need. And so, uh, yes, you can talk to all these people, but if they don't feel like you're talking to them individually, uh, that matters. And so uh, it's very evident in like email marketing, which is a very big part of online sales. Uh, when you talk to them as, hey, we're very happy all of you are here. Well, all of you, they don't care about all the other people. They only care about themselves. And so um, it needs to be uh, to one person. Like, I'm really glad that you visited the web. My web, you know, I'm really glad you stopped by the website. <laughs> um, and as a token of my appreciation, uh, when you added that thing to your cart and you didn't finish it, um, I would like to give you a discount or I would like to give you free shipping or whatever. But when it oh, sounds like customized. it's, yeah, it's just for them, um, that matters. But when you, it's very easy to talk general. And when you do that, it, you'll feel the difference in those messages. And so there's a lot of ways to optimize your website. It can be through your images. It can be through um, your product descriptions. It can be through the layout of the site. It can be through like what we were talking about earlier, um, having images of stuff rather than drop down menus, um, telling them why you're unique. Like, what is it about your process that is individual to you? All of those things um, all serve that same purpose of helping them get to know, like, and trust you so that they want to do business with you rather than your competitor. That's interesting. A lot of people say, like, I heard people say, oh, email is dead, but I, I, I have heard. Many, many people on my podcast point out what you just pointed out. They're like, if you said that to every, you, you say all of you type of thing, well, maybe that email is dead. Yeah. But the email that actually gives somebody a discount, gives somebody a coupon, actually, you know, treats them like an individual. And they points out what, what they, what was in their cart, shows that they actually yeah. knew who they were. That, that works along with like yes. maybe the text. Like the thing yeah. that people are using a lot of text type of tool. Yeah, so email, email, and SMS are not dead by any means. In fact, we have uh, one of our um, one of our uh, members. They do more than a million dollars a month in sales, and they sell jewelry. And um, he has months uh, the profit, the really high high volume months, um, where forty percent of his revenue comes from email. So uh, email is definitely not dead. Um, we actually say that if it's less than 25% of your revenue, then you're, you're doing something wrong on your website or in you your email marketing. <laughs> um, that channel uh, is good for uh, what we, what we say is um, how are they going to know, like, and trust you if you never communicate with them? Well, how can you communicate with them in an effective and affordable way? You can do that through email. So once you get their email, if you're not like hitting them with a sale every single day or buy my stuff, buy my stuff, you're actually providing value, uh, then they want to open your email. If they know that every single time that you email them, it's a last chance sale or it's a last chance this or the doors are closing or da, 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 da. You've actually conditioned them to not buy your stuff or to not open your email. Um, until you've discounted it as far as it will go. And so uh, your email is meant to nurture relationships and build uh, that know, like, and trust so that uh, when they do, are in the market to spend the money, they come to you, of course, because you're the one that's, uh, you're the one that they like to hear from. That's a consistent theme is the, is the, the, the authenticity, the trust, relationship and then actually you know treating consumer with respect and not thinking that they can be kind of fooled into something is actually you know valuing them and that's like been a common thread with our discussion and i think that's a really important thing to point out because uh you know if, if you're gonna think but in in the shoes of your customer or 
would you would you actually buy something the way you're communicating if somebody if you yeah. just took what yeah. you're doing and he sent it to you would they, would i actually buy it like, would the ceo buy it would the cio buy it would the cfo buy it would the directors yeah. buy it like if they if they look at it and say, well, i wouldn't buy it like, well why are you sending that out <laughs> yeah so if you think about it um nowadays people have a lot of choices to buy um from you or your competitors online and so you have to um, honor that fact and then make yourself a good choice. Uh, if, you know, in the past you could get away with uh, being profitable and acquiring a customer on the initial sale, um, it's now competitive enough that it's, it's fairly hard to do that. And if you have to make money on the first sale, uh, the chances of your business surviving are much less. And so it really does force you as a business owner um, to treat the customer uh, the way that you would like to be treated to where they will come back and buy again and again and again. And when they do that and you're no longer paying to acquire those customers for sale number two, three and four, that's when your business becomes very profitable and you actually enjoy it, too, uh, because um, you're not just looking at money going out and going, well, I spent one hundred dollars. And I made a sale for 150 and my cost of goods are uh, $50. And so I actually broke even. Um, this is no fun. But if you did a good job, <laughs> that person's going to come back and buy again and again. And over time, that becomes uh, something that okay. uh, you're yeah. proud of and that people want to do business with you. Well, I, I think you've had a lot of golden nuggets here in this conversation that a lot of people can use in a whatever business uh, level they're at uh, with, you know, the creative entrepreneurs we talk to, I think they can find a lot in what we've talked about today that they'll want to engage on your build, grow, scale.com site. And again, that will be fully clickable. Um, that full link is clickable when we're published. So you, you can check that out. We're going to be on all the podcast platforms that you can watch or listen to uh, by tomorrow. And we'll, we'll, we'll send you that link so they can, uh, they can choose whatever landing page, the land landing page, however they want to engage. But again, that will be fully clickable. I want to thank you for being a guest on the Fan Electric Goats podcast. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you for for being on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really I had a good time. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.